0: Today's episode, we have with us a young 23-year-old Vedic Pandit and a physiotherapist. He is a multi-talented personality and a great inspiration to many. Hanish, welcome to WWW. We're definitely going to have some worthwhile conversations here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your childhood growing up in Hong Kong and what has shaped you and made you into this multi-talented personality. Hi Shivan Neelam, thank you for
1: having me on the podcast. It's such an honor and I'm really excited to be talking with you both today. Um, to just introduce myself I guess, um, I grew up here in Hong Kong. I was born and raised here and I actually didn't come from a very religious or spiritually practicing family. And so, as you mentioned, I am a trained Vedic pundit. I studied in Coimbatore in the south of India for about six and a half months where I was trained to conduct various pujas, rituals, and ceremonies to mark various occasions in life. But despite me having gone to learn those things, When I look back at my life in Hong Kong, we didn't really have many of those things done at home. We were your typical regular Hindu family that once in a while, if there was a big occasion, we would go to the temple, have the ceremony done there, and then be on our merry way. So having anything done at home was very out of the ordinary, very wow, there was a huge wow factor to it. So whenever I would get invited to other people's homes for pujas, I would get very excited because it was such a such a different experience you never i never got to really experience that and also being in hong kong you have such a different experience of things compared to your indian counterparts in india you go to someone's house it's easy to find a temple along the street go call the pujari have a puja done at home mm-hmm. here you have to kind of hunt for it and if you have this hunger for it when you get it you just you know, you jump at the chance. So that's that's just a bit of my experience with Hong Kong,
0: but... What drew you? What drew you to this line of work? It's a very unique line of work for someone who hasn't grown up in that kind of family. You're not a Brahmin, Pandit family. Mm-hmm. So this is just, I mean, for me it's it's astonishing that you're doing this kind of work from such a young age?
1: For me, it was just a matter of this is who I am. It almost came to that point. When I was younger, I enjoyed going for pujas. By the time I was 16, um, Swamini Supriyananda at the Chinmaya Mission here in Hong Kong, she offered to train me up to do simple pujas where I would do puja as my seva at the Mission Center here in Hong Kong once or twice a month. As I continued on in high school from age 16 to 18, when I went to university, that was my regular thing. I would do pujas at least once a month. And when I was in university, the opportunity came to actually go and study in depth in India. By that time, I think I had really gotten so comfortable and happy with the kind of work that I was doing that it almost felt I would be doing a disservice to myself and other people if I didn't put in my 100% and go and actually study and learn. So it really just was something that was very dormant, I feel, within me. And when the opportunity was given, everything just bloomed.
0: Mm. There might be many people listening, young people too, who may be drawn to doing something that's maybe a bit uh, unique or something their family doesn't see eye to eye with was that the case in the beginning for you
1: initially it was so even though my parents kind of knew i was interested in the various things that we have within our vedic culture the pujas the homas the fire ceremonies they, I don't think they anticipated I would want to jump straight into it so quickly, especially while I was still studying at university. It was only m- at the end of my second year did I get to know about the chance to go, and I spoke to them about it, and they were initially hesitant because they thought I was going to drop out of university. But then I had to sit and explain to them that this was after I graduated, there was enough time for me to sort things out and actually be able to go and study, so, I guess for those of you listening that are interested in something that's not along the, you know, the well-designed path, or you're taking, yeah, you're taking an unconventional, unconventional route. Um, if you know and you are truly convinced that there is meaning in the work that you would like to pursue, nothing will actually stop you. If there is some sort of obstacle, it can be resolved. And if it can't be resolved, it's usually because there's something within us that doesn't 100% agree with what it is that we want to pursue. Mm, So it's really up to the individual to take that time, introspect a little bit and see what are these obstacles because there usually is a pretty good solution.
0: Very inspiring, Hanish. So now going back to the first question, Are there some experiences that shaped you into choosing this path?
1: Honestly, there were some experiences, not all positive. When I was younger, I went with my father to a small town called Triambak village in Nasik, in Pune, not in Pune, in Maharashtra, sorry. And so we had to do a puja and a havan for almost three hours. And so I sat with my father for the whole three hours, fascinated by what was going on, but not understanding a single thing that was happening. This is me at age 11 or even younger. I can't even remember how old I was. At the end of the puja, the pundit gets us all up and says, now you have to be vegetarian and you cannot drink alcohol for 40 days. (laughs) Growing up, I wasn't vegetarian. So it was an initial shock to me thinking, how am I going to be vegetarian for 40 days? But seeing as I had sat through the whole puja, I thought in my mind, I wanted to be vegetarian at some point. Let's just do this. So we went through all of it. And throughout the 40 days, I realized that I actually didn't even know why I was doing this. And so... That really I think pushed me to question a lot of things. What is the purpose of being vegetarian? Why do I have to sit through a three hour long puja? And why can't we understand what we're doing? If these pujaris are supposed to be helping us, they should also make us understand what we're doing. How does this actually help me? And so going through that experience of pure confusion and not understanding anything, I think was my first step into asking more questions and looking for that knowledge a lot more. Then as I attended more pujas, I noticed that a lot of the pujaris had different explanations for different things. That made me wonder even more, is there actually a right answer? Or are we all just kind of making this up as mm. we go?
0: <laughs>
1: so from not knowing to wanting to know and then from extreme confusion to wanting to not have confusion as i grew up from 11 to 18 i think so many things came across, came to me that made me want to know more and actually understand because i found that when people don't understand as, at least in hong kong based on my experience people tend to just completely disregard it mm-hmm. if i don't get it it's of no use to me end of story But I didn't want that with our Vedic culture because other aspects had so much beauty to it. Other aspects have so much value. We value family so much. We value our relationships with each other so much. We value seva, charity, giving in donation in time, money, food, whatever it is. So much value is there. So what is the value in this one aspect of puja and the ritualistic side of things? It can't be completely useless. And so this was my thought process that kind of pushed me to ask more questions and really look for an avenue to get those answers.
0: Beautiful. Wonderful sharing. Hanish, I can feel the passion in what you do.
1: Thank you. I'm glad it translates. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just uh, curious, what was the internal dialogue when you decided to become a Vedic Pandit? What was happening? I think initially the question for me was can I do this for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. like am I going to be satisfied with this work Mm -hmm. and so it took me a little bit of time to think about it and genuinely when I decided that I wanted to do this I knew I would I knew that it would be difficult but I knew that it would be fulfilling and even after less than two years of leaving the ashram I, I can genuinely say that I didn't make the wrong decision for myself. I was also initially worried about how people would see me because I would be interacting with the same people that quite literally had held me in their arms growing up. And so that has been the scenario with many families here. I'll go to their house for something and they'll wonder how to interact with me now. They'll think, you know, I, I held you as a baby and now suddenly you're doing this for me. You're having a puja in my house it's it's something that nobody anticipated i feel
0: this brings me to an interesting question one of our kids has asked does he feel odd when elders touch his feet <laughs> <laughs>
1: um i think this also brings up the question then why do we touch feet right and so I initially was very uncomfortable when I thought about it. I thought if people are actually going to come and touch my feet, you know, it's really odd. But I was told by someone that, remember why we touch people's feet. It's not because of them as a person. We are bowing down to the knowledge that they hold, the traditions that they have upheld. And we are bowing down to all the teachers that have come before them and have guided them and given them this knowledge, which we are now so fortunate to receive. It's gratitude towards those beings, those masters that have given us this knowledge and not just you, the person. Sure, it's good to be grateful because you've come and you've provided a service, you've helped them connect deeper. But when they touch your feet, remember they're not touching you, Hanish's feet. They are touching the feet of all of your masters, all of your teachers that have come before you. They are honoring this knowledge. And if you recognize that, you will not feel awkward. And so sometimes I forget that and I feel awkward. And then I have to remind myself that it's not about you, Hanish. It's about much more.
0: Mm, Absolutely. I like that. And, you know, Gurudev often says, Mm. ego is anything that makes you feel unnatural. So when you think... You are even not worthy or the opposite. So just feeling natural and yeah, they're bowing down to the divinity within you. Yes, absolutely. So that brings me to another question. What is your inspiration? Gets you up in the morning. What is that drive that, you know, keeps you going, Anish?
1: Honestly, my drive... I feel like my drive is just this vision that I have, that we can revive all of those Vedic customs that we have lost over the years and actually make them a part of our lives once again. Because if you look at what we do, puja's, havans, fire ceremonies, they're all done to mark occasions. Today we celebrate birthdays by having a really large birthday party. And we think, great, new tradition in the house we can continue that but why can't we reincorporate vedic customs there's a specific birthday homa that we have it's literally for birthdays it's to invoke the Ayush homa exactly to invoke the blessings of the divine to protect us and give us good health for the upcoming year these are beautiful customs that we have had for years and years and years but it's starting to get lost and what really drives me is being able to bring this back, Mm. to help us tap back into our roots. We have a library, a powerhouse of knowledge and we're not using it. And I think what really drives me is when I think about that and remind myself of this vision that isn't just mine, but it's actually all of, it's all of the great master's visions to have this knowledge reach everybody. And for them to be able to make themselves the best version of themselves and be able to serve everyone and if i can do that in my own little way then i think my purpose is fulfilled and just reminding myself of that really helps and so it may not be an everyday wake up in the morning yes this is my purpose type thing but it's definitely a driving factor and that also makes me love what i do so much
0: I've had the privilege of having Haneesh over a couple of times for some very, very beautiful pujas. And I promise you, he will just infuse your space with positivity. Haneesh, and I'm going to book you for February. Oh, lovely. Yes. I can't wait. So Haneesh, for those listening, uh, can we tell them a little more? Do they need an occasion? Do we have to have an occasion to have a, a puja in our home?
1: Oh my gosh, not at all. These pujas can be done at any time for any reason. There's no there's no need to limit it to just an occasion. These things are done for various reasons to charge the with energy within your home. Sometimes we feel a little bit down on energy. Sometimes we feel like there's a block and we can't really get past it. Often during havas, during fire ceremonies, people take those 20 minutes of swaha and offering into the fire to actually reflect what is blocking me right now. How can I offer it to the divine and how can I watch it burn and completely disappear? So we think of these things as ritualistic, but they can be really good tools for us to reflect and overcome, you know, our day-to-day issues, something so mundane that we can't wrap our head around. Many people have found they're able to be at ease with themselves and whatever they're facing after a holiday.
0: So all those listening quickly, <laughs> 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 look it <look> now. <laughs> I could, I would have Hanish over every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: such a joy to be with Neela, honestly. Every time I go to her house for puja, I'm very excited.
0: Oh. So Hanish, now this brings me to my favorite part. Shivani and I have a goal that we would like as many people to learn breathing meditation. Of course. That is our, our vision and our goal. Um, you have had the opportunity to sit in on the breathing course. I'd love to hear from you how your experience was.
1: The breathing course, the Art of Happiness program was actually a really beautiful and very spur of the moment gift that I got. So the one, the teacher that was teaching Seema Ji, she was running a course and she had two spots open and she contacted me and my mom. And she said, I have two spots open. It would be really nice if you could come. And my mom and I really just were like, okay, this seems to have just fallen into our lap. Let's actually go. And those three days were really magical. Like, I thought of so many things that I think I had pushed to the back of my mind. And bear in mind, this is in the middle of the first year of COVID. So lots has changed. Lots has happened. And those three days were really beautiful. They gave me a lot of knowledge, the knowledge points that come really hit a lot of nails on the head when it came to me personally. The Kriya itself, the Sudarshan Kriya was extremely beneficial. I had so many issues adjusting to coming back to Hong Kong where there's lots of light, lots of noise. My sleep cycle had completely gone upside down, but learning the Kriya really really helped me get back into tune with my body, with my mind, helped me relax and go to sleep and sleep well, not just fall asleep. And also hearing the stories of other people as part of the course is, is incredibly transformative because it gives you perspective and helps take you out of, oh, just me and my little problems. We get so caught up in that. Mm-hmm. But the course really gave me a chance to sit and look at other people's lives, think from a different perspective. And it was a good, it was a lot of takeaway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just come, learn, three days, mm-hmm. end
0: up. Excellent. So now we would actually like to invite you to visit our international headquarters in Bangalore. (laughs) Honored.
1: (laughs) Hanish, what is um, your life greatest... Sorry. What is the greatest life lesson you have learned? So far, Mm -hmm. I think the greatest life lesson I've learned is that never ever underestimate the power of regular spiritual practice regular sadhana mm. before i was studying in the ashram to learn all of these pujas and um, ceremonies my morning routine my morning spiritual sadhana was very on and off very sporadic some days i would feel really enthusiastic some days i would completely skip it but being in the ashram and having a regular schedule where at 4.30 in the morning, you're awake. By 5.30, you have to sit for your Sandhya Bandhanam, which is where you chant the Gayatri Mantra as well. Mm-hmm. And it, same thing in the evening. Having that routine strengthened my willpower incredibly. And that's just me taking 20 minutes out of my day. Yeah, It was so powerful to see this small investment of time yields such large benefits because if I could concentrate for those 20 minutes or if I could just do what I needed to do for those 20 minutes and I practice it every single day, now I see that if I need to get anything done, if I just say, okay, 20 minutes, this is all I need to do, I get it done much faster.
0: So sadhana actually means, for those listening, it means true wealth. Dhan is wealth. And sa is true. So this is actually what we will take with us at yes. the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's not how much we own, how many parties mm-hmm. we've gone to. Um, at the end, it's, it's just your sadhana that's with you. Yes. The merits. And also uh, with sadhana, initially we feel that, oh, we have to, it takes a lot of perseverance. And then it just becomes so natural, right? Yes. Just like brushing your teeth. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Hanish, we will have you again on our podcast. We want to next hear about you being a physiotherapist. I think we've spoken so much today and it's been so rich in knowledge that I'd like to conclude this podcast and have you back to speak more about you being a wonderful physiotherapist. Oh, I'd
1: love to. That's also another aspect of my life that I think informs my practice as a as a pundit, as a pujari, and a lot of things about my life as a pujari also feed back into that because being a physiotherapist means you facilitate you know, bodily healing, sometimes mental healing, and being a pujari, you also sometimes facilitate a lot of mental and emotional healing. There are times people come for a havan, very resistant to it, and they leave feeling a lot lighter because as they offer their offerings into the fire, they feel their inhibitions burn. They feel their negativities burn. And it's not just about convincing yourself mentally, but it's about experiencing it Mm. and feeling it in your bones that I'm leaving a charged, a better and even more loving person.
0: And an experience at the end of the day needs to be experienced we exactly. can not really speak about it exactly the
1: words will fall short
0: exactly so on this note we conclude thank you so much Anish we're so thank so, you so much. happy you joined us yes. thank you for having me I'm so glad I could do thank this thank you awesome